dead letter living. Are y'all ready for the series? Yeah, good morning. I'm glad the rain didn't keep y'all away this morning. Man, good to see everybody. Um, so we started a new series last week called Red Letter Living, um, where we're talking about, how many of you have a Bible, have you seen in your Bibles where the letters of what Jesus said are written in red? Y'all, have y'all seen that? Tony, you had your hand up. You have a Bible. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, brother. <laughs> so what Jesus has said to us, informs us, and instructs us, it, it's, um, it's those things that we need uh, in order to live. So we've titled this series, Christian, Red Letter Living. How to live as Christians. I mean, if we can't do what Jesus said, right? And so some of the things that Jesus said, that this is the thing. Some of the things that Jesus said aren't all that appetizing for us. Some of the things that Jesus said is hard. And it's even hard to believe, but we got to receive it. Amen. So that's where we're going to go. I don't want to waste too much time. I, I worked on this pretty hard this week. Um, God slapped me all upside the head with this to give it to you. So I'm hoping you're ready to receive it. Are you ready to receive it? All right. We're going to meet me in Matthew chapter nine. We're going to go right into the word. Um, our text opens Matthew chapter nine, verse one. Our text opens with Jesus in his hometown. He's in familiar territory. He's at home and and um, this text is, it, it's uh, found also in, in Mark's gospel. It's also found in Luke's gospel. You know, when it comes to the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, they write from their perspective as the Holy Spirit was leading them to jot stuff down. For example, let me just, let me just uh, clear this up for some of you. Um, for example, when Jesus was, uh, when he appeared in the, temp, in, in the uh, grave, at, at the graveyard, you know, where he, where he died. Uh, one, one writer said when, when, the, when, the, when the women and the disciples came, they saw two angels. Another, another disciple said that he wrote down, said that when they went to see if Jesus had risen, they had saw one angel. Well, there were still two angels, but one spoke. So he wrote down that there was the, angel, the one angel said this. So this familiar passage where we're going today is also found in Mark chapter 2. It's also found in Mark and Luke chapter five, but they give different perspectives on the same event. So this will sound familiar to you. So Matthew nine, verse one says, Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Verse two, some people brought him a paralyzed man on a mat. We're in the New Living Translation. Some people brought him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. I can imagine that the friends that brought Jesus to the to the to the house where Jesus was preaching. Um, I imagine that when Jesus looked to the people and said to them, seeing their faith. I imagine that when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, they're like, that's not what I came here for. Have you ever been there? I came for this and this is what I'm getting. You know, so that's what's going on. Jesus sees the man, he's paralyzed, he's being carried on a mat, and Jesus says, be of good courage, your sins are forgiven, verse 3. But some of the teachers of the, religious, of the religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God, Shannon? Does he think he's God? What's going on here? I want you to know, church, our, our thoughts and opinions are open to God. It's a scary thing. I want you to know also that 
the thoughts and opinions of your critics are open to God. It said that they said to themselves, Elmer. They didn't say to him, they said to themselves. And so, verse 4, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? have such evil thoughts in your hearts. Somebody look behind you and say, I'm here despite of you. Uh, are you bold enough to say it? I'm here despite of you. Yeah. Mm. Verse five. It's easier, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? That's the question. Verse 6. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, and that's when he got, he turned it up. He said, stand up and walk. He said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Man. Verse 6. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So I want to preach to you this morning. I want to entertain your intellect this morning with the subject. I have something to prove. I have something to prove. Tell the person next to you, I could preach that sermon. Yeah, y'all didn't say that with conviction. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the time which is yours. Lord, would you encourage us today with your word and help us to remember that we have something to prove. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got something to prove. Oh, man. The problem with Judaism, with Judaism in that day, in the biblical ancient times, the problem with them is that they were results-seeking people. And y'all know that's the same problem we have in the 21st century. We are results-seeking people. Um, in the 90s, Clairol became known for its iconic herbal shampoo scent. Maybe some of you bought that. Um, the, brand, the brand wasn't initially popular when it first came out because they only had one fragrance, Martine. They only had one fragrance. I mean, you would have your hair cut, but yet you couldn't get the smells and stuff the way you wanted because you only had one scent. And, and, and so it wasn't as popular when it first came out, but all that changed when Clairol introduced four new fragrances. And then they advertised, they advertised um, on TV, on television ads, um, <laughs> what made uh, herbal, herbal essence so popular is the television ads and the new fragrances. And so what they, what they would do is they would show ordinary women they would show ordinary women doing ordinary things, and then they would be overwhelmed by the scent of that herbal essence fragrance, and people would start, you know, yes, yes, and then, and folks were watching it, and they were like, I need to get that shampoo, and I think my mother-in-law even in German said, yeah, yeah. Um, but that changed the game. It was the ad, the fragrances and the ads. People saw the results of the shampoo and how it made them feel, and they wanted to buy and so the shampoo exploded off the market when they made the ads showing the results of how 
the fragrance of herbal essence made them heal. Everyone loves results. And we are also a result-driven society. And usually, before we buy into the results, we want to see the product. We want to see the, pro- the process. We want to see people before we are ready to produce ourselves. And in biblical times, Judaism wasn't any different. Can I share with you and set the stage for where we're going this morning? Judaism, Judaism believed that all suffering, all suffering was the result of something that you did. And that you couldn't be cured unless you got forgiveness for the things that you did. So if you had committed sin when you were small or your parents committed sin, then maybe you were crippled, you were blind, or, or you were mute because of something that you did. And then when people saw you, they said, oh, he must have did something. She must have did something. Her parents, or, or they knew stuff about your family and said, that's why you have that situation. So they also believed that the Messiah... The Messiah would come, and they believed that the Messiah would come one day, but yet they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So that's what we're working with today. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus is trying to, uh, 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 Jesus is trying to peddle his philosophies and, and his religion and, and change the game, they are confused and they're looking at Jesus when he sees a man that he's paralyzed on a mat, and he's been that way for most all his life. And Jesus, the first thing he says, he doesn't heal the man. He says, your sins are forgiven. They're like, who does he think he is? He's not God. He's not the, he's not the promised one to come. Oh, but they didn't know. They didn't know. We would all say, duh. But then I had to remember that they didn't have a New Testament back then. All they had was the Old Testament. They had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible from Genesis on. That's all they had. Jesus was the New Testament. He was the New Covenant. And so they didn't have that. We know how it plays out. But back then, they were still waiting. And they didn't know it was right there in in their face. The Messiah was there. Scripture makes me laugh sometimes. When I read the Bible, I'm always asking it. I challenge you, never read your Scripture without asking a questions, without challenging the text. What, what does this mean? Why are you saying this? Never read it just plain. So sometimes I'll read scripture, and I was reading scripture this week, and I was going over this, and it made me laugh because when I looked at verse 5 and 6, I saw Jesus perturbed by people, the religious people, his critics. And you have some critics too. But Jesus was perturbed by people, and so he asked a question, and then he answers himself. And I, I laughed because I've done that too with my own kids. Jesus, Jesus asks a question, then he answers his own question. Sometimes I've, I've been talking to my daughters, like, what are you doing with that marker? And she said, I'm making you a card. I'm like, oh, okay, you can have the marker. <laughs> You've got my permission. Have you ever asked a question and then answered it yourself? Jesus is doing the same thing. He's saying, he's saying, is it easier to forgive sin? Or is it easier to say, stand up and walk? Jesus is defending their thoughts. He's defending against their thoughts. And he has something to prove this morning. And I got to give you this because I know someone's probably going to be listening online. I said someone's probably going to be listening online. And I want you to get this. You have to understand, family. Here's a man who has been paralyzed. Right? He's been paralyzed most of his life. 
And it's critical that you understand what paralysis looks like. And so I want to define it for you. Paralysis is the loss of the ability to move, Marco. Paralysis is the loss of the ability to move, right? Paralysis. And it's also the loss of the ability to feel in some cases. You can't move and you can't feel anything. And and I was I was just wondering when I wrote this down, I was just wondering before your salvation, before our salvation, before you accepted Christ, we we had some paralysis going on because of sin. We had some things done to us, we had some things said to us, you have some things thought about that you perceived that they thought, and it caused you not to feel anything anymore. And and sin has caused you not to want to move forward in some areas. Am I talking to some people like me? Okay, okay, I'll go further. Um, so sin dominated us in a personal form, and it caused some paralysis in us. We we had the inability to move forward in some areas. We had the inability to, to feel some things in some areas. We had things maybe in the form of fear. Fear has paralyzed you so much that you were like, you know what? I, I, I trust you, God, but and, and I can trust you for myself, but not for my child. I can trust you, God, but I can't trust you with this job situation. Are you really going to put food on my table? Fear has paralyzed. Some have been paralyzed by trust issues. Trust issues. Ultimately, if I trust you, I'm saying I trust him. To let not let you hurt me again without the discernment. So ultimately, when we have trust issues, it's ultimately saying, God, I have an issue with you. Did y'all know that? For others, it's the paralyzed, the paralysis of moral issues you used to be and it kept you from moving forward and it kept you from feeling anything these were spiritual things that kept us bound we couldn't or wouldn't allow ourselves to feel anything as a survival mechanism and then comes Jesus with a word man then comes Jesus with a word but, but the word is questionable you know, is it for you? Is it for you? Who does he think he is? It's my word, but now you're questioning my word. Because you're questioning where it came from. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, gosh. It's amazing to me that you can have what others need, but then they don't want what you are willing to give them. Jesus has power to overcome sin and death and, and the grave in his mouth. And we know that John says in the beginning, in the beginning of what, Pastor? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God, right? In the beginning of everything. The word was with God. And the word was God. Y'all know your Bible? Yeah, that's John 1. Talks about Jesus. John 1. In the beginning was the word. The word. Did you know the word was his eternal name? And, and what you're going to need to know him by is the word in eternal, because that's his eternal name. I, I can do a study on that another time. That's not for now. But Jesus is his manifested name in the earth. That's his name. But his name is the word. Uh, there's three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. We need to know him by his name. He's the word. He's the word. He's the spoken word. In Genesis, it says that God, through him, spoke everything into existence. Jesus is the eternal word. 
Matthew 28, 18 says he's been given all authority to make power and decisions. Who is he? Who do you think you are? I got all power in my mouth, bro. Psalms 147, 3 says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds their wounds. That's hope for me. I've been brokenhearted. Have you been brokenhearted? Oh, man. And he binds their wounds. The written word just a power is just as powerful for us today the written word the text the scriptures it's just as powerful when you're in front of that and it's speaking to you when you're reading it never again never read it just uh, for for the sake of just reading it ask the bible questions why why is he saying this here and i guarantee you god will start speaking to you in your heart this is why this is written like this you can read the same passage and then he'll enlighten you he'll illuminate you by something you read and you've known all your life, maybe since you matriculated back in Sunday School 101 as a kid, he'll just illuminate it for you, and that's for you. That's the word for you. The written word is just as powerful today. When read, believing in faith, it has power to forgive, and it has power to change lives. I believe that. But I want to speak to your paralysis this morning. You are God's proof, church. You are God's proof. The main thing, that the, the thesis behind the text that we just read this morning, the main thing Jesus was after was the, the, to prove his authority. He was able to forgive sins, and they questioned that. And Jesus says, so for, for you are, that are doubting, for you that are thinking things about me, I'm going to prove to you that I have authority. I'm going to prove to you who I am. I'm the son of man. That means in his humanity, he can touch and feel like you can. But in, in ultimately, he's God. He's God. So I want to speak to your paralysis. You are the proof of God. You are the living results of what God's forgiveness looks like, church. You and I are. We are the living results of what God's forgiveness looks like. Just imagine that. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But I received it. Did you receive it? So you are the living results of what his forgiveness looks like. So Jesus displays all the man. This is where we have a problem. Jesus displays for the man and for all the critics to see his situation. He displayed him on, he put him on display. And we have to be willing to be on display. So sometimes he'll take a situation like he'll take a man who had an addiction and he'll speak a word in his life. Sometimes he'll take a man that has a gambling problem and he'll speak a word in his life. He'll, he'll take a woman who has trust issues with a man. He'll take a man who has trust issues with a woman. He'll, ha- he'll, take, a, he'll take a child who has a, a problem with daddy issues. put you on display and sometimes when we're on display we think God doesn't love us but we have to keep in mind what's at stake what's really going on they know they know my issues but they see me looking better than I do Jesus is trying to prove through you that I can forgive sin I can forgive even that I can I can forgive even that uh, uh, some of us are more messed up than others are he said I still forgive even that. You're sitting on the last row, but my forgiveness can reach you there too. Man. And so he 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 speaks a word into our lives and he and what he does is he waits for it to activate so that others can be 
others can see the results of who you really are. And I just want you to know that you're made for a miracle. You're made for a miracle. I wonder if I can speak a word over your life this morning. If I can speak a word over your neighbor. Turn to the person close to you and say, speak the word over them and say, your sins are forgiven. No, no, no. You didn't say it like you believed it. Say it like you believe it. Turn to your neighbor and say, your sins are forgiven. According to the word. Yes, according to the word. Baby girl, grandbaby, your sins are forgiven, child. She starts smiling. (laughs) Your sins are forgiven. Now the problem, the problem with that, our sins are forgiven, but the problem is we can't see the results. Right? If Do you believe not with your pastor? If you believe your sins are forgiven? Kristen, she's not bothering me. You don't have to leave. Okay, go ahead and change this. Go forth and change that baby. Um, the problem with saying and us believing and receiving that our sins are forgiven is problematic because we don't see the results that, that is spoken of. Right? Oh, man. So I want to give you because we live in a results-driven society, I want to give you two ways to remember what the results should look like. The first thing you should remember is your palate represents your problem. That's a good thing to write down, church. The man came in on a mat. Jesus told him to pick up your mat. So your palate represents your problem. Your issue. I thought it was pretty interesting that the, that Jesus t- Jesus didn't tell the man just get up and walk. He said, "Pick up your problem." That's what they knew him. They knew him for his issue. That he said, "Pick up your pallet and go home." Right? Am I, am I preaching from the newspaper? Y'all know the Bible. Okay, okay. So your your pallet represents your problem. You may still get afraid, but you're not gripped by the fear. Right? You may still have a little trust issue. But as you further, the further you walk along with your palate, with your problem, the, the further you walk along in your, with, with God, your, your, your trust seems a little trivial because you're overcoming as you walk. Oh, man, 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 man. Now, G- Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, get up and leave it. He says, stand up and pick it up. And that's what we miss in the text. That, that comes from asking the text questions. I'm like, Lord, what do you want them to know about this? Jesus says, stand and pick up. And he had to stand and pick up. Um, so what was previously your problem was your palate. Was your palate, right? But your palate is a reminder to you of what God has done. And sometimes we, we want to get up. If I was on the stage, I, I, I would just get up and walk. But anyway, we, we, we want to get up and forget the problem. And what happens is, we go along and situations of life happens to us. And just because you're a pastor, just because you've been going to church for five, six, seven years, that doesn't mean you're exempt from life and problems. Problems and stuff, life comes up, and we start to forget that this is what God did. And the enemy of your soul starts bringing up the stuff, maybe from your past, and you forget, oh, he delivered me from that. So pick up your palate, because your palate represents your problems. It's a reminder to you all that God has done. Whew. Oh man. So remember your palate and remember 
Jesus said, pick up your pallet and go where? And go home. So, so what, what I'm trying to say to you is you have to be moving towards something. Right? You don't just get saved to stop and stand right here and oh, if that's the case, the moment you believe you should be in heaven, he said, pick up your pallet and do something. Uh, y'all know where I'm going. We should be moving with instruction because our palate represents our problem, but our word is our way. So we should be going home. We should be moving toward home. And home for all of us is heaven. And so, Pastor, how long am I supposed to carry my palate that represents my problem as a reminder for what God has done? And how long should I be walking and moving until you get home? Right? Oh, man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's good preaching where this guy comes from in Oklahoma. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. So this is how Jesus initially moves people with faith. And and, and he sees the man's friend bringing him and he says that for their faith, their, he sees their faith and he says, your sins are forgiven. But I want to argue that the man on the pallet had faith too. Because when Jesus speaks to his problem. He says, your sins are forgiven. Pick it up and go home. What does the text say he do? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Y'all missed it. Y'all ran right past that. It says that he jumped up. Oh my gosh. It's the text says that not, not the man that he picked up his pallet and went home. Can y'all, can y'all show me verse, verse uh, six again? I think it is. Mm, mm, mm. I think it's verse six. It says, stand up, pick up your pallet, and go home. Verse 7. And the man, what? He jumped up and went home. It takes faith to jump. He couldn't move forward. He couldn't feel anything. He receives a word from God, and he jumps up, athletic, and he goes home. Mm-hmm. get no worse than where I was before he found me. While you're walking, others are going to start accepting you now. So what are you supposed to do? Keep walking. Oh, man. And, and, and while, you're, while you're walking, 
Others, others will want to be a part of your life now. But what should you do? believe that when we walk out the proof, God works out the results. Yeah, that's what he does. Did you hear what I just said? When we walk out the proof, because you are the proof, he works out the results. He just want to know, are you going to jump? Are you going to jump? Well, not everybody in my house is going to go to church. Jump. You go anyway. Well, everybody's not believing, Pastor. Speaking to you. That's what God is saying. Jump anyway. Are you willing to jump? I want you to see this and then we're done. In another gospel, the reason why I told you the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they depict sometimes the same story, but they tell it from their perspective. I thought this was interesting. Mark closes his view of the text this way in Mark chapter 2, verse 12. He says, And the man jumped up grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out, and then the critics said, man, you never saw nothing like this. Never. Never. Church, you have something to prove. Jesus is still trying to prove today that he has all authority of heaven and that he is God. But the way he proves it is by speaking into your life and expecting you to jump with your mat. So your palate represents your problem. You need to keep that in mind and not be ashamed of your previous paralysis. expected to do something with it. 